back. Girl, no. Whenever you're ready. Go away. Sorry, hold on. I need to get some water. Am I taking the reins of this one? You can just do the... I mean, you typically do the little intro. All right. So, it's, so Mike's leading it. <laughs> All right. Welcome, everybody, to the Hollywood Video Guys podcast. Uh, as always, we have your host, Mike. Donnie. And Randy. Uh, welcome, everybody. Excited to have you today. Um, today, we also are joined by our special guest customer, uh, Don's brother, uh, Bob. Welcome, Bob. Oh, hi. Glad to have you back for another episode. It's been yeah. so long. It's been too long, yeah. Yeah. It's good to see it. It's also good to see that you did not bring us a pile of junk movies to sort through and try to recommend. Is there a reason for that? Uh, Well, I mean, those movies are really good. (laughs) We got to be clear about that. I I had a great time, man. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Um, But um, uh, I think today uh, we should be up for some guilty pleasures, right? Ooh, I I, I can dig that. Yeah. Um, yeah, great, great idea. Guilty pleasures are definitely, I think, a genre that we are really well familiar with. We like a lot of movies that maybe other people don't like as much. Absolutely. And maybe have been like critically not, um, you know, panned or, you know, not nearly as uh, well loved as we tend or to love them. Or just successful commercially. Yeah, as we think. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's, that's a great one for us to do today. So we each picked one movie that we feel is our, exemplifies our best guilty pleasure. Um, and by guilty pleasure, what, what, what comes to you, like your mind guys, when you hear guilty pleasure, like, what does that mean to you? So for me, it would be like something that you wouldn't typically expect yourself to like, or someone else would expect you to like. So it could be anything. It's very wide ranging. It could be, you know, my guilty pleasure is that. I really love this particular rom com, even though you're like a total action movie buff. Yeah. What about you, Don? What kind of when you hear guilty pleasure, like what do you think of? Uh, you know, it's it's sort of a classification of movies that aren't quite cult classics, but they're almost there. But I think guilty pleasures kind of fall in the realm where the movie probably isn't good to begin with, objectively. Yeah. And there's no one really following it, <laughs> except for people who recognize that. You know, it's not well made. It's kind. Of, it might be tongue in cheek, but it's something you can watch, and it's almost like a. It's almost like comfort food in a way. Yeah. What What do you think, Bob? What do you when you hear guilty pleasure? A uh, similar thing. Maybe the movie's not so great, but there's something about it that you know is. You can see why most people don't like it, but there's something specifically that speaks to you that you find some enjoyment out of it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it kind of goes to the heart of the actual like definition of the words, right? Like guilty pleasure basically means like it's something that you like, pleasure that like you don't you shouldn't feel like all that great about, like guilty about it. Like, you know, so uh, I think we all have picked movies that really fall well in line with that tag of guilty pleasure in whatever way you kind of think of it because it's they're all very, t- you know, guilty pleasure movies. As they describe none of, it, none of them were particularly well received upon release. Or yeah, the, theatrically they didn't do well. Um, you know, and yeah, I would say all of them probably are in cult status, though. Mm, yeah. I would say there's one, maybe yeah. not. Uh, I, I don't know. There's. <laughs> I, no, we'll I would say we're that. Gonna, we're gonna Let's get to, we'll talk about uh, it. to one. We'll talk know. about it. We'll talk about it. Um, so just like we did in our last episode, we're going to go around. We've each picked a movie that we think best exemplifies guilty pleasure for us. 
um, as far as a movie that we think best uh, like best suits us as a guilty pleasure. So we'll each say our, our guilty pleasure movie. We'll talk about favorite scenes, things that we liked about it. We'll open it up for bigger discussions. If we have bigger questions, we can ask. Uh, and then we'll recommend out of the three, we'll have our customer recommend which one is the best. Um, with that said, we're going to go again like we did last time in release order. So that would be um, Don first with the classic movie UHF. Brawler Nannies? Yeah. Got the delivery here for your next show? Oh, great. What you got? Well, let's see. I got one aardvark, one flamingo, four porcupines, two armadillas, three badgers. Badgers? Badgers? We don't need no stinking badgers! Yes, so fellas, I chose the 1989 classic, as Mike said, uh, UHF. Stars Weird Al Yankovic, sort of in his prime here, because that's when he was making all of his his, uh, his parody music, like he was parodying Michael Jackson, and um, who else? He did Red Hot Chili Peppers. Like, he was sort of at his peak in the late 80s, or I would say starting in the mid-80s, late 80s. Yeah, definitely, like, right? this is this is peak uh, Weird Al mania. It is, <laughs> and this movie is a Weird Al movie to its core. It's... Uh, the whole movie, or excuse me, the whole story is that um, Weird Al is George Newman. He's just this sort of unemployed clown who works at a burger joint. Uh, his <laughs> he's put in charge of a of a TV station UHF when his uncle Harvey wins the ownership of the of the channel in a poker game. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's so stupid. It's so dumb. So that so the setup is already dumb to begin with. But George and his buddy Bob. Um, you know, they realize that the, the station is nearly bankrupt, but they see this as an opportunity to, to fulfill their dreams and, you know, make a successful TV station. And they're sort of in that, they're sort of um, in competition with, with uh, VHF, Channel Station 8, which is run by this uh, old codger, R.J. Fletcher. And R.J. Fletcher here just wants to crush UHF because he sees that they're just a piddly TV station. Yeah. And uh, George and Bob, Weird Al, and um, who's the other guy? His name was uh, David Bowe. Mm-hmm. You you probably recognize him like a lot of smaller movies in the eighties. Like he was always kind of that that you know sidekick guy. I don't think he really did anything as a mainline guy. And uh, this whole movie is just a bunch of a bunch of sort of uh, they're, they're tiny skits, parody skits tied together as as TV station TV shows. And this whole thing is that uh, George's Weird Al, excuse me, is trying to earn seventy five thousand dollars to save the station. Because uh, RJ is trying to put it out of business, and then to do that, <laughs> they, they they can come up with all these stupid parodies that we'll talk about. And um, I think that's really where the nuts and bolts of the story is here. It's like we, you know, it's, it's kind of all the parodies that came up. So one of the ones that that immediately that or starts out with is uh, Uncle Nutsy's Clubhouse, where Weird Al plays like this uh, zany clown. I don't think he's a magician, right? No, he's he's supposed to be like a Captain Kangaroo kind of like yeah, like, like Bozo the Clown weekday, kind of thing. yeah, weekday kid show kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. So so that's one of them. And then there's all these um, interspersed commercials almost. Where there's like Conan the Librarian. Yeah. Uh, there's Gun. Spatula. <laughs> Spatula City. Yeah, Spatula, Spatula City, City, which is like this 30 second commercial where this family's like, oh, we broke the Spatula. And the dad's like, it's all right, we'll go to Spatula City. Yeah. And it's like, uh, you know, there's also Gandhi 2, the sequel to Gandhi, where yeah. he, he's, he's basically a vigilante. <laughs> uh, so for me, like this movie, I, I remember seeing it like on cable when I was a kid. Yeah. I don't. I didn't know what it was I, for the longest time. I didn't know what it was called. And there's certain scenes that stuck with me that you know made me love this movie. And for me, like this was an easy choice as a guilty pleasure because it's like I can watch any time. It's short enough to be inoffensive to to kill you know like an hour and a half, hour forty minutes. 
and it's fun. It, it's I think it, it it'd be more successful now doing its sort of satire and parody. Yeah. But back then it wasn't so well received. Like it was just kind of destroyed by the box at the box office. There, this released the same year as Batman '89, all the summer of '89 movies. So yeah. this had absolutely no chance to begin with. Yeah. Um, I had never seen this movie until we watched it for this and when i first turned it on i almost turned it off it was how bad the first nine ten minutes of this movie i mean okay take it back the first like five minutes is funny because it's like a parody of um raiders Raiders, which is great there's that scene where like the guy's like i'm out of here and then a train hits him like that was really fun all of that stuff is really funny to me but then after that when they actually get into the plot of the movie i'm like this sucks like it's not good but that's not why this movie exists, and it's not why you should watch it. it because the the parodies, the things that like what really is what this movie is just is just window dressing to get to that. Those are hilarious, and they're so funny. They kept me in it. Uh, I, like I said, I was I was about to check out. I was I was really like if something didn't happen, some funny happened in the next five minutes of that movie, I was about to turn it off because I was like this movie sucks. Um, but then when the parodies started happening, it was so funny. Like some of those parodies are so funny. I I, I laughed so hard, and uh, it really kept me into what would have been like a terrible movie. It almost made me wish that all they did were parodies. They didn't even have that plot. They yeah, just, the plot's secondary. It was just like you turned on the, the movie and it was like you were watching a television show and it would just switch channels uh, to different like parody. Like it's, that yeah. would, would have been the movie I would have watched. Uh, yeah, I, I saw this when I was much younger and I absolutely loved it back then. And and I did remain like, you know, a fan of the movie. And But like Mike says, oh, half of this movie is pretty tough to get through but the parodies themselves are, are fantastic and that's really what what matters like mm-hmm. whether it's gandhi 2 or their show wheel of fish yeah that was so funny. <laughs> that's a classic that's one that's so yeah. good like uh, there there is some funny stuff in here outside of the fact that the rest of the movie is not very good bobby did you have any fun stress because i don't I, I don't i don't recall you watching it too much in whiskey when we were kids <clears throat> uh i think brandon brought it over Mm-hmm. Um, he definitely did later on. Yeah, I watched it when we were really young. Yeah, I don't think I watched it when I was young, but I'm pretty sure that's where the, the first time I saw it, and I found it funny back then. And watching it again, I found it funny too. The, yeah. the plot itself, yeah, it's it, it's a little tough to kind of get through some of that. Um, but the movie is it's pretty much just weird out of the movie. Yeah. So to me, it was just charming. It was really funny. Um, you know, it's it's always nice watching a good spoof movie before that went way off the rails with yep. the crappy scary movie sequels date movie all that crap um so seeing something like this where it's just really creative quirky as hell just silly and just i just found it just funny yeah it was just fun to watch and just a good time and weird al is always just charming and entertaining by what the hell he does Uh, he's really into it the whole time yeah yeah so like the yeah it was just great like even like the silliest crap like with the big with the train yeah, that was, was so like, funny. Like, I don't remember that. I saw that. That's really damn funny. Yeah. And then, like, uh, the Indiana Jones whip where, like, yeah, he, like, his, slices his arm off or whatever. Yeah. So, like, it's just so silly. Yeah. But funny and charming and just, yeah, I, th- I thought it was great. I'm so, with you, man. Yeah. yeah. So, like, good spoof movies are great. And especially, like I said, before they start getting really crappy and falling out of favor. Um, I would put these up there with, like, the really good spoof movies, especially that time period, too. Yeah. So I liked it. I had a really good time with this one. Yeah, there's there's countless like I don't want to say countless, but there's I think 
There really isn't a parody on here that I think falls flat for me. Like they're just so out there. They're all really funny. They're all really funny. Like, uh, I put some of them, some of them down here. There's Bowling for Burgers with Chef Bernie, where they're like, yeah. they're literally bowling for burgers for yeah. some reason. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's Strip Solitaire, where it's just like these old guys, yeah. at, like a at a at a, at a desk. <laughs> <laughs> play strip solitaire in the slowest thing ever uh there's practical jokes and bloops which i thought was funny because they have that awful and practical joker show that is like it's on like on season 14 or something insane. it was basically the, that it's basically yeah, yeah it's it, they basically took it from uhf they did it first there's a celebrity mud wrestling with mikhail gorbachev yeah that was hilarious <laughs> i made me laugh so hard um rose world kingdom which i do want to talk about because that's oh, a great God. one that's that, the best. that was what brought me back into the movie and if the, it wasn't for that i might have turned it off yeah and then um there's a couple more that i want to dive into there's a town talk with george which actually we don't have too much time on that because it was really short but that's the one where he's doing like the donahue parody where it's like doing yeah these, and everybody's uh, throwing chairs at each other yeah <laughs> <laughs> and there's one, there's one cut, there's one line that he says for the next episode. Like for one, it's so ridiculous because Weird Al's got his, you know, his giant afro, and then this yeah. scene, he's all bandaged up. I forgot why, because I think he got a chair thrown at him. Yeah. And the topic of the show is called lesbian Nazi hookers abducted by UFOs and forced <laughs> into weight loss programs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like, what does that even mean? <laughs> but it's like he spit yeah. that out in half a second. You're like, where did I just hear? And it's, it was so freaking hilarious. Yeah. Um, so th- I want to call that out. But uh, Raul's Wild Kingdom, I want to hear what you guys thought about that one. <laughs> that was, like I said, that was the thing that brought me back into the movie. If it wasn't for that scene, I might have turned off the movie because it was so out of nowhere. Like, it was kind of funny to start with. And then when he just starts chucking the poodles out of the window, I was laughing so hard because it, like, came completely out of left field. I had well, no idea what was going on. You had to make sure to find out if they could fly or not. Yeah. Well, to set up the, the show, too, to, to give context for this, the whole thing is, like, it's it's Raul, who's this guy in an apartment building. Yeah. He, or not an apartment, but he, he's in his apartment. And it's almost like a Jack Hanna, uh, Steve Urban thing where he's just, like, talking about animals. But they're all of his pets that he has all of around his house. <laughs> And then he just, why does he chuck it out the window again? To check if they can fly. Yeah, uh, that's right. <laughs> it was so crazy. And there's like a, was there a pile of poodles at the bottom or something? Like, like, uh, there, there was might, like more than know. one. Yeah, it's so ridiculous. Yeah. That, um, I have shown this movie to a few different people for their first time. And that scene always gets them. Whether it's them laughing hysterically or their jaws just dropped. Like, that usually get their the giggles churning when he tells you that turtles are nature's suction cup. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He just tosses it <laughs> yeah. up into the ceiling. See? It sticks! <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, Raul's Wild Kingdom, that's, that's you know, going, like you say, core memory in one of our last episodes. Around. Like, that was what, for me, like, it seemed like anytime I would catch the show on TV, or actually catch the movie on TV, it would be at that point in the movie where it's Raul's Wild Kingdom. Yeah, and then and then later on in the movie, uh, he gets another shipment of animals to apartment, and they're like, "Oh, we got the badgers." He's like, "Badgers? We don't need. We no don't need no stinking bag. badgers!" Yeah. Like he gets so offended at the concept of having a badger in his apartment. Well, because that's like a that was um what's his name? Chichen Chong, right? We don't need no stinking badgers. Is that no, what it was it's, from? It's from a it's from an old serious movie. We oh, don't, we don't need no badges. Yeah, badges. Badges yeah. because they're supposed to be lawmen. That's really funny. Yeah, yeah, that's where they take that from. It's so funny. What do you think of that scene, Bob? Oh, uh, I was gonna say the poodle thing was just hilarious, yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, the my favorite uh, skit was I don't know why, but probably the Indiana Jones one. It was so it was just, funny. It was really good. Yeah, it, it was, was really well done too. And also, you know, Indy was still. I don't know if the third one had come up by then, Last Crusade. Yeah, but definitely the first one. It had, one had, it had yeah. but like right, maybe like right, then. right around the same time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, so funny. Yeah, I did like the Indiana Jones one more than the Rambo one. Yeah. Which was getting a little bit silly. Well, the Rambo a lot of this overt. movie is is George just kind of dozing off and daydreaming about what he's gonna yeah. do. 
Because he very much lives in his own little fantasy world. Conan the Librarian was really funny. That was too. a great. That one. was just like a, such a stupid bit. That was like so funny. It's like who? How did you not come up with it? Like how did nobody not come up with that? Yeah, it was so stupid. Oh, and there's also one of the, one of the other standout characters in here was Stanley Spadowski. He was Michael Richards from yeah. uh, Seinfeld and uh, Problem Child. That's another. <laughs> I forgot he was in that. Yeah, yeah. he was hilarious. Uh, in Problem Child. He, yeah, and here he plays a janitor, and he's like this. I don't know. It's like he's got some sort of learning disability, almost. Like Definitely. Like there's, he's like you know, autistic. For sure. Yeah, and like, <laughs> except they portray him as like this goofball kind of idiot. But he has some funny scenes too, like when he's trying to escape from being capped, uh, you know, kidnapped from R.J. Fletcher's hood. Uh, what do you call it? Muscle men. Yeah. And like he's shooting the staple gun behind him, and it, <laughs> and all the staples get stuck in that guy's face. Like it doesn't make yeah. any sense. It's a it's a staple gun. Like they would yeah. just fall to the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta get into his face. Also, I did really like how R.J. Flesher was just such a cartoonish villain. Yeah, yeah. he was. He's like, you're like, fired. I don't even work here. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they, he, they fire Michael Richards' character because he lost his the report that was supposed to have. And it turns out that he was just sitting on the report and he just laughs about it. No, that wasn't Michael Richards. That was just a random guy. In the beginning, no, it was, no, it was the, Michael Richards. It was, was no, it? That's why he was so depressed, and George found him and was like, "Yeah, you can have a job, whatever." Because I thought he was a janitor. He was, he was. Janitor. He yeah. was the janitor, and, and he was the only mom. other person. Oh yeah, in the he, took yeah. he took his and mom. And this is after, like, I don't know if it's after or before when he flips out on his kid for not getting him a Rolex. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> this, I'd say, like the, I'd say the biggest fault of this movie beyond the fact that the uh, plot is, you know, pretty paper thin is. The whole Deus Ex mocking at the end, where like everything comes together and just works out perfectly, you know, because they need to earn, they need to, they, they end up doing like a fundraiser, a telethon to get seventy five thousand dollars to save the station. Yeah, and of course, down to like the last five minutes, they need two grand, and then this homeless guy who was earlier in the movie, kind of tying the joke around, uh, R.J. Fletcher's son flipped through a coin at this homeless guy. And the homeless guy ends up finding out it's worth money and it just happens to be worth exactly $2,000. Yeah. So he sells the coin and then, you know, they make the goal of 75000 But in addition to that, R.J. Fletcher is, um, he's threatened by the owner of the TV station because yeah. uh, one of the, Philo, who's like this, who ends up being an alien in the movie, he's the most bizarre character. He broadcasts that R.J. was like talking crap about the community in the town. So, of course, the network guy sees this and he fires R.J. So everything... Ends up the way it's supposed to be. The bad guy gets got. The good guys win. It's like a little too clean of an ending, you know? Like, yeah. it felt like they they didn't need to do all that. It was a little excessive. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I thought, like I said, the plot was just unnecessary. So everything that happened after the the TV shows were done, like, I couldn't care less about. Yeah, it was absolutely. Like the, as far as I'm concerned, as soon as the last um, parody happened was when the movie ended. Because it was just like, okay, this is like not... This this has nothing to do with why I'm watching this movie. Which yeah. it really does, because it almost ends with um, Weird Al as Rambo. Yeah, Rambo. Yeah, saving Stanley Spadowski from being kidnapped. Yeah, it's like this really extravagant. Like he's almost in you know in the jungle with a helicopter and like he's ripped. Yeah, and he's got this weird bodysuit that actually looks pretty decent <laughs> it, for the time. It like, did. Like he looked looked yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, it's like if they had just you know kind of changed the color of Weird Al's face and blended it more, it probably would have looked pretty close to being real. Yeah, I, I don't think they wanted it to. No, I, that's I also it was, true too. Yeah, to it was supposed silly. to look goofy, but. Again, another iconic memory for me is like when they're shooting him with like this fifty cal, and and he's just taking all the bullets, yeah. and he just inhales and he spits them all out back at the bad guys, including an R.J. Fletcher who some who for some reason has like this army hat on and he's shooting everybody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because they were parodying Rambo three, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I love this movie. I did. You did. Yeah. Uh, not just half of it. Like. No, I, I I'll take it for what it is. Take the yeah. take the the plot out. It's fine because you don't need it. 
yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I still I still enjoy this movie despite the, the paper thin plot and all that nonsense. It just sucks because it's unnecessary for the movie. Like that's the thing that's a bummer is that you could have done the same exact movie without any of that stuff, and mm-hmm. it would have been even better because you could have had 20 more minutes of parody stuff. You know? Yeah, like they, you know, like I said, the, the story is definitely secondary. Like they focus that first and forefront of the movie are all the parodies and all the skits. Yep. Right. There's a few jokes in there, but the plot's just it exists for the you know, reason of existing. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, any any last thoughts on uh, UHF before we move on? Uh, just we didn't mention that the uh, current was it president of SAG AFRA, Fran Drescher. Oh, yeah, she's in it. Oh, yeah, yeah she's, that's she's right. Role, yeah, man. yeah. Wishing Fighting her for all the, the best to get those actors back working with yeah. better pay. Mm-hmm. Heck yeah, yeah. We we support SAG AFRA for sure here. We love movies and we love actors, so yeah, we we throw our hat in the ring with them a hundred percent. Alarm system has been deactivated. Out. Roger that. Dude, you don't have to do the sound. It already does that. Out. Copy that. I'm not going to make the sound after I say stuff from now on. J.D. McNugent. Over and out. That was the last one. Um, all right, so with that said, we're going to go on to the next movie on our list, our next guilty pleasure, um, in release order, and that's going to be my movie, Saving Silverman. I'm going to read the synopsis for you guys from Saving Silverman. 2002 movie, by the way. It's directed by Dennis Dugan, who directed Problem Child, so that's kind of a... Oh, that's problem. funny. Yeah, I didn't realize did, that. That's uh, great. The, he's got a murderous row of movies in the early 90s, though. Okay, so Problem Child, 80s, but Beverly Hills Ninja... Oh, yeah, okay. another personal uh, classic. Happy Gilmore uh-huh. and Big Daddy. So he, I love all those. And he's done, and he's done, I mean, to be fair, he's also done like Grown Ups and Grown Ups 2 and all those other. He he kind of attached himself to to Adam Sandler, and so he's done a bunch of Adam all Sandler Happy movies. Madison stuff. Yeah, but but that's a really good list of movies to include, as well as this one, because I love all of those, and I love this movie. So again, our movie is Saving Silverman, and I'm just going to read the back of the box for you guys. So, Darren Silverman, Jason Biggs, Wayne uh, Lefessier, uh, Steve Zahn, and J.D. McNugent, Jack Black, have been best friends since the fifth grade. Enter Judith, Amanda Pete, a cold-hearted beauty who digs her claws into sweet-natured Darren. She snatches him from his friends and even breaks up their cover band. J.D. and Wayne try in every imaginable scene to save Darren and their friendship, but fail miserably. When they find out Darren has been brainwashed into marrying Judith, the dim-witted duo decide to kidnap her and reunite Darren with his long-lost love before she, she becomes a nun. Uh, and that's a pretty good summation of the movie, I have to say. Um, so before I go into my, my own things about this, what did you guys, what was your all uh, personal takes on this movie before I start? What do you guys think? We'll go with, we'll go with Bobo first. <clears throat> I love this movie. It was... I forgot when we saw it back then, but I, I remember buying the DVD because it was just like, just hilarious. Did you buy the PG thirteen or the R version? Because there's two versions. I bought, DVDs. I bought both. Nice, actually, yeah, at nice. The, at, the, uh, at the warehouse, it's not too much of a difference. They just they say the F word a couple more times, and there's like one added scene where Jack Black is teaching kids at the subway like how to. Well, like, there's, <laughs> there's also a scene where they're doing like the um the that photo shoot where they're trying to. Frame oh yeah, them. and it's a little bit more. Yeah, and, yeah. like the girls have their tops off. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. One. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, but I mean, either way, like I don't prefer one or the other because I think they're both pretty damn funny. Yeah. Um, and like the, like, the one thing I like about this, looking back now is that like the, the actors in it, they're pretty damn good. They're all like, great. You, yeah. you got, you got a uh, Jack Black, 
Steve Zahn has a lot of range, not just yeah. with like silly, funny stuff. Like he does a lot of serious things too. Sure. And he got this, has a really fantastic cast. Jason Biggs is just Jason Biggs in this movie. Yeah, he's he's a, who he needs to be. He fits yeah. the typecast yeah. very well. Yeah. Amanda yeah. Pete's great in it. Lee Ermey's in it, and he's great. Yeah, but like the just their hijinks, like yeah. they're so dumb. But it's just funny the crap they come up with to try to like derail this relationship and everything. <laughs> yeah. And just like the movie is just so damn silly and just like it takes such unexpected swerves with everything. Yeah. Or like you have no idea where the hell it's gonna end up and just it's just so damn funny. It's, yep. Yeah, I don't want to spoil anything with it, but it's what yeah, I, that was hilarious. Yeah, I'm with you, man. What, what about you, Doncho? Uh, it was the same. I think Bob and I when I watched this, you know, the same time. I don't know if we caught it like on TV or like you know the cable box, and we got it on DVD. But uh, we watched it with one of our other best friends, Brandon, and he 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 was like in a really big Jack Black phase at this point, which yeah. I think was for a lot of us. Like it's when Jack Black was really starting to get big, right? Like mm-hmm. or, uh, uh, Orange County, Orange and, County, yeah. all that. Yeah, like this is like when he was starting to get more of a spotlight on. Like for us. The Cable Guy was the first movie I think I remember seeing Jack Black in, which was three, no, six years before this. Yeah. So this is when he started to get more roles. But um, yeah, like the moment we saw this, like I love this movie right off the bat. And it does feel like the product of its time, like in that American Pie kind of realm. But I think it's a lot funnier and holds up a lot more. But yeah, I, I could watch this movie anytime. I hadn't seen it in like, God, it must have been like 10 or 15 years at this point. It's so funny. So it was really great revisiting it because it's another one of those movies where despite seeing it a billion times at the time, I forgot so much of it. So rediscovering it and, you know, all the jokes that came up again that I forgot, it, it was a great time. Yeah. How about you, Randy? What are your first initial thoughts? Um, I rented it uh, back in back when it came out on DVD, I believe. I just remember watching it with my sister and my dad, and we loved it. Like, it, I, I always really enjoyed this movie, and I never understood why it wasn't very successful. And it had been a very long time since I had watched it, so when we watched it again, and it starts off, and pretty early on, Steve Zahn, his character is, uh, like, pest control yeah and like he gets like mauled by a raccoon and it's this whole physical comedy thing and it just falls completely flat for me Mm -hmm. and i'm kind of concerned like oh man is the rest of the movie gonna fall flat like this well thankfully the answer is a resounding no because (laughs) everything else about this movie i still love i think it's one of jack black's best roles um you know he's not like the main character like in a lot of his other movies but in this one his character is just so funny and his interplay with steve zahn and later arlie yeah they're perfect together like they're really good and the way that amanda pete can just psychologically tear him down to shreds is just it's so funny (laughs) it's so funny it never got old for me just watching her toy with these morons yeah just loved it so much I have to add Jack Black's cry, like when he comes. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah, what he's yeah, get. It's yeah. like the funniest thing ever. It the, really is. Well, it, it, so these guys are also uh, Neil Diamond impersonators. They have like a little yeah. They're they're band. they're not super even fans. like they're super fans of Neil Diamond. They yeah, love super him. Fans. Yeah, so cover band. So in the beginning, they have a little performance, and then uh, I mean, this beginning movies are freaking hilarious. Like there's a scene where Jason Biggs, uh, he's trying to go after this girl and you know flirt with her. And there's a mime off in the background. Yeah. And she's like, oh, no, I'm with him. And then the mime, like, starts reeling her in. Yep. And then they get into the bar, and they're talking about how he was shot down. And then Jack Black, Jack Black's like, God, what does it sound like when you do with a mime? Oh, I'm, I'm a mime. mime. And he's like, I don't think they talk. They're mimes. He's like, they, they, they do when they're not a mime. They, or they, they, they do when they're not duty. on duty. Yeah, when they're not yeah. on duty. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, that's so. That's what I was gonna say. I was gonna bring up to this. Uh, we'll definitely get into all of our favorite scenes. But one thing I'll say about this movie is it is just a collection of amazing scenes. Like yeah. that's the plot is kind of lame at points, and like it's a fine plot though because it, it it ties yeah. everything all together. Right, like and scenes. like they yeah. they do a ridiculous way to stick the landing at the end. But the scenes themselves, the individual scenes throughout this movie are so funny that it, you could almost quote the entire movie because it's so funny. Because like right after that is when they JD meets Judith or not Judith is uh, Ju- yeah her name yeah is Judith, Judith yeah right? meets her for the first time and the way he meets her is he he thinks he's gonna hit on her because he thinks that she wants him to but she doesn't but right before he's gonna leave Kyle Gass playing a cameo in this comes in <laughs> yeah. as like a magician trying he's like I do magic and he does like this lame magic trick for her and she's like uh, this is my boyfriend or whatever and he kind of realizes that she's blowing him off and but he's you know he's like okay I'm gonna leave so he basically he goes all right well nice to meet you mate JD. Satan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, like, that's one of my favorite. But so the, the main part of this plot revolves around Judith, who is like this kind of controlling type A, you know, for a guy like JD, or not JD, a guy like uh, Darren, he he's kind of squishy. He'll do whatever anybody tells him to do. He doesn't really have much of a backbone. And, he, and, then, and somebody like Judith can really just control him because he's going to do whatever she says, basically. So... They first they they do try to get her to like be a part of the gang and they like have her come over to watch football with them and there's so many funny lines from Jack Black in just that scene like when he comes out and he's like a Ju- Judy Judith uh, Judith a beer bong for the lady yeah. <laughs> and then he says uh, what do you want to drink he's like oh a scotch on the rocks or something he's like, like okay cool I'll go get the ice too yeah like, he's like, you, want, you want that. ice with that yeah <laughs> you want ice with that yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, he's like gonna go over and wa- have her watch football. And there's like chips on the the, the <laughs> sofa, and he's like, "Oh, let me give it the old sweeperoo." Yeah. <laughs> and then when she sits on the chair, uh, sofa, it like falls backwards. And well, he's trying to yank it to get it to recline. Oh, that's right, he's to like, recline. You just gotta, you know, gotta yank it a little keeps bit. Telling him it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, I don't need it. And fine. then it eventually like flips her over backwards. All the salsa and nachos fall all over, and she's covered in it. And he's like, "Oh man, lug nut <laughs> fixed it. Go ahead, please have a seat." <laughs> she's just covered in salsa. But that's this movie, right? Is just scene after scene. Mm. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go into, uh, before I talk about favorite scenes, I'm going to go into the one scene that I, I would say is like collectively everyone's favorite scene. And that's um, the scene where Jack Black and, and Steve Zahn decide that they have to kidnap Judith. So they decide after all of these trials and errors to try and kidnap Judith for because they, they just know that she's bad for Darren, that she's going to take him away and they need him. They're like their best friends. So they're going to kidnap her and hold her hostage until Darren can fall back in love with Sandy, his his old high school girlfriend. So they go to Judith's house to kidnap her. And what ensues is like the most ridiculous eight minutes, 10 minutes of like uh, of any movie you'll ever see. It starts ridiculously when he tries to cut the power to the house and he's just like cutting the power to like every <laughs> yeah. other house on the block except for hers. And then when they, uh, and then like one of the most iconic lines is Jack Black with the walkie talkie is making a sound every time he's done on the walkie talkie. And like Steve Zaw's like, you don't have to do, it does all on its own. He's like, okay, over. That was my last... <laughs> and then he does this hand to himself. He's like, no, that's it. Yeah. yeah. And he's also wearing like a pantyhose. Pantyhose. So he has his guys. That you can see through. Yeah. And Steve Zahn's covered in like a war paint, basically. Yeah. And they get in the house and they try to do like the Navy... Uh, Steve Zahn tries to have him do these like signals to go upstairs and he can't 
understand what he's saying. He's like, I don't know what you're saying. And he and he's like, this is the Navy SEAL signals, man. He's like, I only know the Air Force signals. <laughs> um, there's the part where they're supposed to be like finding Judith and Jack Black is just eating spaghetti out of her fridge. <laughs> he's like, oh, I'm going to look and see if she's behind the closet. Yeah. No, no, nothing here. I'll keep looking down here, buddy. You keep your eyes peeled up there. <laughs> and he's just eating spaghetti. <laughs> and then uh, like when they actually get Judith, a big fight ensues and they, uh, he ends up, Steve's on tranks himself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She, she's just whooping their ass. Yeah. yeah. Like bad. Yeah. They have no chance against her. Yeah, he tranks himself. They electrocuted themselves in like a toilet while she's like drowning them, and then they eventually are able to take her back to the the house. Well, eventually, yes. Yeah, eventually, Steve Zahn tranks her and covers it up. Like it's literally right in front of like a police station. Too. That's the next. No, that's the next. That's oh, when she it? escapes. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, you're right. But yeah, that's the and it's so funny. I, I don't know what do you guys think about that scene. That's one of the more iconic scenes in the entire movie, as far as I'm concerned. What do you guys think about that scene? So anyway, you can go, Bob, since you're a special guest. You can go first. <clears throat> I, yeah, everything everything you mentioned was just goddamn hilarious. And then like uh, the spaghetti, I forgot about the spaghetti <laughs> yeah. when he was like, "Oh, I'm checking the back of the fr- yeah the back of the closet." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. So um, yeah, just uh, the that whole part was hilarious. Are we going over like favorite? Yeah, scenes keep going. Okay. If you want to bring up a scene, that's fine. Unless you guys have anything else to say no, about that I, scene, I think we covered. That yeah, scene. yeah. Go ahead and tell us about because there's so many. Yeah, because uh, I think the, the my favorite scene was when she just emotionally just manipulated Jack Black. Yes. And then, like, he, <laughs> to, he discovered he was gay. Yeah, to set like, it up, um, just for people who haven't seen her going to see it. So the way the movie kind of sets it up is they've chained um, Judith in their basement, and they're going to keep her there until Darren falls back in love with his high school sweetheart. So Judith, is she, at this point, she's actually escaped once, and they were able to get her back. But uh, now she's trying this other thing where she's going to emotionally manipulate JD because he's kind of, he's not kind of, he is dumb. Yeah, because I think she's like a psychologist. Or yeah, something. that's the whole yeah. point. Yeah, she's a psychologist. Yeah, so she just manipulates him and then gets him to have a breakthrough that he discovers he's gay. Yeah. And then it's just so like, funny. he's like crying and wailing. He's like, I always knew something about me was different or something. <laughs> yeah. And he just lets out this I'm just, this just long, just high pitched cry. Yeah. And like, she's like, like behind him, she gets like a vase or something, and just knocks his ass out, like in the middle of him just like wailing and crying like that. Yeah. <laughs> so to me, that that was probably the funniest thing. But there's like little bits and pieces here and there, like uh, when they're like plotting what they're gonna do, this ridiculous plan. They're in the middle of like playing their Neil Diamond cover show yeah. at like a pier or something. Da, da, da. And then like when they resume, they they start singing and like strumming way angrier. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's, uh, I think in that same scene, they're talking about how like how horrible she is yeah, and she's the, making him do things that he normally wouldn't do. And they say, yeah, he made, like, she made him get butt implants. Yeah. They and got Jack, him getting butt implants. Jack Black's like, yeah, you know, I thought, I was going to say, I thought his ass looked a lot tighter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this line here you guys will like where he goes, uh, they're like, she's wicked. Yeah, she's Freddy Krueger. No, she's Damien. Dude, she's Vader. No, she's the Empire. Yeah, she's the Amber, but with really great tits. <laughs> yeah, so it's just yeah, this, the movie was was just a bunch of just different little pieces, and yeah, like at the so end funny. too, like the fact that we don't care for spoilers, right? I mean, no, no, it's, yeah, a, it's, it's a twenty year old movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, was, I was gonna give a crap anyway, but yeah. like at the end where it's like I was talking about, like it just swerves all over the place. We yeah, don't expect all over the place. Like Steve Zahn. And um, and Judith suddenly discover like they're perfect for each other. Yeah. So they get together, and then uh, Jason Biggs' character gets with like the the high school, yeah, Yeah, Sally's sweetheart. Yep. And then like at the end, you have 
Yeah, Jack Black holding Arlie Ermey <laughs> yeah. like a yeah. like a bride or like a groom holds his bride, yeah. and he's like, "Hey, I'm gay too." Yeah, and like yeah. they end up together. Yeah, and it's just like that's the funniest, so funny. Yeah, it's the most ridiculous, it's funniest thing ever. So, yeah. what about uh, any particular scenes for you, Don? There's a few. There's uh, there's the initial scene when you know Steve's on and JD realized that Judith is bad news for for Darren. Yeah, it's when. Uh, Steve Zahn goes a prepositioner at her office with a, with a, with his house. Oh his yeah, family owned house. <laughs> Dropping him on his head. Yeah. So that's the thing. He shows her a photo. She's like, "Look, if you leave Darren, you keep my house." And she's like, "Why the hell would I want your house?" Yeah. <laughs> and he, he shows her a picture of it, and it's like, oh, he could have got any picture in the world of his house. He <laughs> yeah. got the one where it's a picture. It's like a family photo. It's his mom and his dad <laughs> by the balcony, <laughs> and mid flight of him being dropped, it's him. He's oh, like, "That's, that's me flying right here. My dad dropped me on my head." Yeah. You, the whole house is yours. I'll sign it over right now. <laughs> <laughs> and she shoots that down. It's so funny. <laughs> and then when Jack Black just starts screaming more and more later, so he's always screaming, he's like, come on, on, yay! No, he does that like two or three times. Yeah, it's the it's best so part. It's just like his, his war cry almost for like, they're about to enact this plan and that's his way to go into battle. It's so freaking hilarious. Yeah, that's so funny. What about you, Randy? Any? Uh, well, it was like a continuing from a previous scene. Uh, right before... Arlie Ermy comes back into their lives <laughs> when yeah. So the 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 doors. I don't know if it's a doorbell or there's knocking, and Jack Black's just not moving. He's just watching TV, eating, and Steve Zahn's telling him like, "Oh yeah." They're like they're like well, it's like the doors knocking and like I'm eating. <laughs> like what what does that mean? Like I don't answer the door when I'm eating, and he's like, "Well, how?" Do... <laughs> I didn't know that, and he's like, "Well, you didn't know about me being gay either." Yeah. <laughs> And oh, then, so and funny. then a, a totally random like it makes no sense, and it doesn't feature any of those characters, but it had me just dying of laughter watching it. Was was it her name? Sandy. Sandy. Or, she's a Sandy. Nun. She's a oh, nun. Excuse me, Sandy. Not and Sally. she's talking about her crisis of conscience with a nun <laughs> while being a spotter. While yeah. her, this this old lady nun is just she's benching, benching two twenty five, like two hundred yeah. something pounds, yeah. and like all these nuns are just pumping iron. Yeah, they're absolutely the jacked, and like and it's just the most hilarious visual because they're having the serious conversation while all of this is going on. And I remember texting it to them. I'm like, the, the, all these nuns pumping iron is just killing me right now. What does now. she say at the end? She's like, darn, lost another one. Like well, that. yeah, that was later on when she finally, you know, did not take her last vows and went to go get her man. Yeah. So here's a couple. Of, I'm going to give you guys a couple of little lines that I think are, because I've watched this movie so many times that are just so iconic. One of the, two of them are for Jack Black. The one where he's like, uh, what do you want to watch? We got monster trucks and we got pornos and we got one that's both. <laughs> and then uh, when he's leaving that same scene and uh, Judith is like, all right, see you later, JD. And he's like, see you later, Judith. And then <laughs> he's, he's always like, crap. And then he, he realized that he like gave away his whole identity. It's so funny. Uh, and then there's also the end. So the whole movie, Judith gets away, decides that, you know, I'm going to have JD. He's going to be mine. Um, you can't have him. So then they decide to crash the wedding with Sandy and uh, Neil Diamond. They pick up Neil Diamond, who they're all big fans of. And they even pick up their old uh, football coach who came over to kill uh, – or no, they just came over to, to live with them because he got out of jail. Yeah. And, then, <laughs> and then he's like, hey, did you kill that lady that you said you were going to kill or whatever? And he's like, no. And they're like – they, first, he thinks they ate her, which is like crazy. <laughs> and, then, and then he realizes he's still alive, so he goes to like kill her. Anyway, so they all go to the wedding to stop Judith from marrying Darren. And when they get there, they sing the hello from Neil Diamond. And the end is uh, when 
Judith is like saying like you ruined my life and like and uh, to Steve Zahn's character Wayne she's like beating beating him up and like kicking him and stuff and he was like why can't you just admit that why can't you just admit that you like me a little bit or that you liked it when I kissed you and then at the end of it, he goes admit it I'm the strong willed assertive man that you need and you're the hardcore bitch I've always dreamed of <laughs> I, I related to that line so much because I was like yeah I, I would I'd be in it <laughs> I'd be all about her. The, and then, okay, the one last thing I was going to talk about was the scene where Jack Judith gets Jack Black to admit that he's gay. There's a really funny scene where she goes, like, have you ever had a girlfriend? And he's like, yes, no. And then she's like, well, have you ever, ever fantasized about having sex with a man? And he's like, which man? Any man. <laughs> well, like, what kind of man? He's like, a tall man? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, sure, whatever, because I don't like tall people. They bother me. <laughs> he's like, well, what about a short man? No, well, how short? Like a midget? I don't know. <laughs> It's so funny. And then, yeah, she, he ends up admitting that he's gay. It's so funny. Yeah, anyway, any last like thoughts on this movie before we move on? Anything you guys want to uh, mention? Yeah, I was going to say, one, another scene, too, that's um, ridiculous amazing, when they tried to stage the those fake photos. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Really that's crappily. So, like, yeah, not even Photoshop, yeah, photocopied. Yeah, yeah, they're, yeah, they're pasted, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then, like, when she, like, goes to them, it's like, yeah, I, I got these pictures, <laughs> and there's, like, oh, whoa. Yeah. You know, I didn't think Darren would do this or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, she rips off the sleeve, and it's like his <laughs> tattoo's just right there and all the pictures and everything. Yeah. So it's just, I don't know. All the dumbass crap they did, and, like, they thought it was so damn smart. <laughs> They're like, I would dump him, I guess. I guess you have to dump him, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, is, th- is this a happy ending, or are they just going to get arrested again? Because they didn't get released from jail. They <laughs> no. just kind of just <laughs> broke out of jail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's going to happen to them. They never made a second. They never made a sequel to it. So I, 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 I mean, maybe Amanda Pete's character just drops all charges. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> is this Jack Black's best acting role? And if not, which one's his best? No, it's not. Um, it's one of his better roles. Uh, I, I have to go with probably School of Rock. I love him in School of Rock. Yeah, too. it's just, it's such a, it's a, it could only be done by him. I also loved him in like High Fidelity. I thought he was really good in he that. He was good in that. I'm going to throw uh, the most recent one he did, uh, Bowser in the Mario movie. Oh, he gosh, was, he, he was, was good really in that. good as yeah. Bowser yeah. in that. That's, that's true. Granted, that's a different movie, so maybe it doesn't count as the best role. But, but he was so good. His, yeah, he was, he was the best. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to go with a more uh, obscure one as I get older. I kind of like quirkier <laughs> movies where yeah. it's about how just weird people are. Uh, he was in a movie like uh, maybe like five to ten years ago. It was called The D Train. And there's and there's um, in it. It's like this, not totally a comedy or totally a drama, but he just plays just like a regular dude that just kind of has like these, I don't know, I guess issues most normal people have in life where yeah, there's like a, James Marsden is like this prom king that like he used to go to school with and like he looks up to him and wants to be him as an adult. Yeah. Uh, but James Marsden is like a total free spirit. Jack Black is like this like family man and he doesn't want to be that for the most part. So he looks at James Marsden. And then somehow, like, James Marsden is just, like, very fluid. So he'll sleep with just about anybody. No labels, none of that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then somehow, him and Jack Black just sleep together. <laughs> oh, uh, whoa. So, and then, like, Jack Black, it's just, it's it's just, it's, like, grounded in reality where you're like, yeah, that, that seems like a, something that you can I'll probably see with some situation. But Jack Black did really well where he just balanced being Jack Black. But he added a lot of nuance with that whole scenario. So I like the D-Train. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, I get you. All right, well, I think that's going to wrap up uh, Saving Silverman, which is just so funny, and it has so many... I don't even think we talked about half of the funny scenes in that movie. Yeah, if you haven't seen this movie, despite us spoiling it, it doesn't really matter. Just go ahead and watch it. Yeah, yeah, it's just so funny. And the, the, the plot doesn't matter. The scenes are what matters. 
What do you mean you don't know what your power is? <laughs> oh, I got it. You're messing with the coach. Just like your old man. Car. Are you insane? I don't have super strength. Oh, I get it. Anyway, we're going to go on to our next movie now, the last movie in our rotation, the, the one that was made the, in the latest, um, and that's going to be Sky High. Uh, Randy, take it away for Sky High. Okay, so we're going back to 2005, and I remember seeing the posters for this movie when it was going to come out and just thinking that it just looked ridiculous. Like, it was obviously clearly a family movie. It's not made for me. And then I did not see it in theaters, and then I distinctly remember my friend's she came over with her young daughter and she brought movies to watch. And one of them was sky high. And I was just like, you know, ugh, like grown. This is not what I want to watch, but Hey, you know, this is before streaming. This is the movies we have to watch. So we're going to do it. And what ensued was basically like, however long it is, an hour and 45 minutes of me just having this big smirk on my face because it turns out that this movie was in fact made with me in mind. I'm gonna go ahead and I'm going to read you the back of the DVD. A super adventure of heroic proportions. This crowd-pleasing hit from Walt Disney Pictures stars Hollywood favorites Kurt Russell and Kelly Preston. The son of legendary heroes Commander and Jetstream, young Will Stronghold carries huge expectations as he enters a high-tech high school known for molding the heroes of tomorrow. With no apparent superpowers of his own, however, Will seems destined to grow up a mere sidekick. But as he discovers his true strengths, he'll also learn that it takes loyalty and teamwork to truly become a hero. And So, like I said, I had zero expectations for this movie. And so when I watched it that first time, I was shocked by just how much I enjoyed it back then. Because this movie took a lot of, you know, it, it played fast and loose with superhero tropes of that time. So back then, you know, superheroes were a little more on the nose. They didn't they they weren't doing like the gritty realism superhero movies at the time. They were all, you know, very brightly colored and fantastical. And so this movie played with that, but at the same time it evoked those 1980s uh teen comedies or teen dramas that I grew up with. So in a lot of ways it was like, you know, The Breakfast Club but with superheroes. And it had the soundtrack to match it. And so for those reasons, I've always had a soft spot in my heart for this movie, along with it being one of the better casted movies um, of that time. I just thought the cast is great all around. They really they really knew what they were doing, that this is going to be very tongue-in-cheek and just have fun with it. And yeah, I, I've always been a big proponent. If someone hasn't seen it, I say, you got to see that movie. I don't know about you guys. I'm sure you probably disagree with me tremendously, but that's okay. <laughs> I wouldn't say disagree tremendously. I, uh, I'd seen this movie because of you back then. Yeah, I, think was, I do remember. We watched it, I think. It was one of the last... It might have been one of the last movies I rented from all of you before I quit at the time. And uh, I didn't remember much of anything of it because it's been, <clears> you know, 18 years. And when I rewatched it, the beginning was really hard to watch. Like, I was like, oh, God, like, this is not going to be a fun experience for me. And then the more I got into it, the more I was like... You know, for me, for lack of a better term, like I feel like it didn't have much of an identity. Like it was just kind of, you know, by the numbers for the most part. Like it's just a fine coming of age movie about a soup with a superhero twist. And it wasn't a bad movie. It was just like 
you know, it's fine. Like I didn't think there was anything particularly outstanding about it or anything that stood out and put it above anything else I would watch. Yeah, and it's definitely like, you know, a family-friendly movie, so it's yeah. not going to have like the the belly laughs of like Seating Silverman or something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was going to say that kind of with Dawn, I, I wasn't really into it at first. It just seemed like a kind of a Disney Channel movie. You know, yeah, movie yeah. You perfect Channel. example. Complete yeah. with Kurt Russell. <clears throat> yeah, um, which is fine. Just I'm not into those anymore. I was when I was a kid. But um, after I watched it for a little, you know, got, let it go and watched a little more. Uh, there is like a lot of really interesting subtext. There's a lot of like interesting ideas in this movie that they play out as superheroes. But it's a basic identity movie. Like, it's like mm-hmm. a kid, like a coming-of-age identity movie, living up to your parents. And there's even, like, a little bit of, uh, uh, like, uh, coming out, like, a little bit of, a, like, a coming out idea to it, too, where, like, um, you know, he doesn't have powers. Like Randy was saying, the, the main, what's the name of the main kid? Will. Will. Will Stronghold. Will Stronghold, who, his dad's basically Superman for, like, you know, not exactly Superman, but just to think about it that way. Yeah, his dad, can, his dad is super strong and his mom can fly. Yeah. So, so they it's like the legends. Yeah. yeah. He has to live up to. Like, yeah. So he has to live up to that. But the whole idea is that in this school, you're either a superhero or you're a sidekick. And a sidekick can be, like, non-powered or just have a power that is not helpful to be a superhero. And once you're decided, basically, if you're a superhero, you're in the, the in-group. And if you're a sidekick, you're in the out-group. And superheroes and sidekicks don't you know, mix together. They don't talk with each other. They, they kind of get picked on sidekicks. They're kind of second-class citizens to the superheroes. And there's like this really, uh, really great scene where Will has kind of accepted his sidekickdom and decided that I'm going to be a sidekick, and he's hanging out with all the other sidekicks, and then his dad comes home and is like, oh, look, all these superheroes are here, and he kind of asks the kids, like, what's your power? And like, so guy's like, oh, I, glow. I glow? I glow, <laughs> yeah. It turns into a puddle? Yeah, he like, had nothing, and then, the, and then, so he starts talking to his dad, and his dad's like, oh, those guys are sidekicks. He's like, hey, that's really cool of you to have the bravery to hang out with sidekicks at your age. I wouldn't have done that, you know? He's like, that's, that's His really dad cool. would not have either. And Well, even more importantly, he said, if my dad had... St- had seen me hang out with a sidekick, boy, would that have, well, I would have had it, is what he says. And, um, and then he eventually says, well, I'm a sidekick, you know? And, like, um, it, it reminded me a lot, and obviously I'm not a part of this group, so I'm not going to speak for them, but it reminds me a lot of, like, the coming out story that you hear a lot from people when they have to come out to their parents about um, their sexuality. And even the, the parts where he was like, there's nothing, you know, he's like, sidekicks are great. His dad, his dad even goes like, oh, yeah, I love sidekicks. One of them saved my life once, you know, like, but man, if my dad ever saw me with a sidekick, that kind of thing. Yeah. And that, that oh, really yeah, made me I think of that. I definitely felt that that was a very, very, very heavy handed, like, influence, not for the whole th- overall theme of the movie, mm, no. but for that scene. That scene. It was supposed to very clearly parallel that, because I remember you mentioned that to me. And saying, like, oh, I didn't realize this movie was, like, you know, about coming out. And I'm thinking, like, well, it'd be a pretty bad one at that because it'd be like, well, all you have to do is just be straight later and it's fine. Yeah. he does get his that's, powers. And that, you know, um, I'll, I'll save myself for that, actually, because uh-huh. I know you want to talk. But, yeah, Bob, what did you think of this movie? Oh, um, I, I couldn't get into it. I'm pretty sure that had more just to do with um, just me more than the movie. Because I think if I had seen this movie, maybe when it came out, I probably would have enjoyed it quite a bit more. It did feel a little bit more just kind of like a upgraded Disney Channel movie. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, but uh, my, again, I think this is just because of me. So now my image and my idea of grounded superhero is uh, The Boys. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't know if you guys have seen it or not. Yeah, yeah. But like I was telling you guys earlier, 
that I could not help it, no matter how hard I tried. I started this movie, and I had this idea that Kurt Russell was going to do something awful <laughs> the whole time. Did you imagine at the end? He yeah, just, like, murders a whole bunch so, of people. Yes, yeah, so I, I could not grasp that that what that obviously it's not that movie. He's not going to go laser people in half or like rip people's limbs. All these terrible things. And then I started watching Gen V, which takes place in a school. Mm-hmm. So I'm seeing all these things. I cannot help just think of all these things because I, I have the idea that if superheroes existed, they wouldn't exist in this manner in Sky High. It would be like the boys, exactly. It would. But that has nothing to do with the movie. That's just myself, and I can't get out of that mindset. Yeah. So watching the movie, I just couldn't let, was not allowing myself to get into it. As far as a movie goes, I'm like, sure, it's all right. So, so like, think about comic book movies in general, or like superhero movies in general. Like, when do you think that they actually started to become a little bit more, like, maybe toned down, gritty, a little more like this would be exactly how it would be if it was in today, in our world? It, I felt like it started right around this time with like Batman Begins, I, I th- which came out the same year. Yeah, I, I think Bam Begins started the whole, they started grounding everything, but I don't think it was until The Boys came out where they presented this world of, yeah. this is exactly how people would act like if they had superpowers, it would yeah, be right. it would be a horror movie pretty much. So like, watching Sky High, I couldn't get out of that mindset. It's really but, weird, because I feel like it's clearly telling you it's not like that at mm-hmm. all. It's, yeah, yeah. It's supposed to be very much tongue-in-cheek. Like, yeah, so like, uh, but... Again, like trying to set that aside, uh, Kurt Russell's amazing at everything he's, he is. he's in. So he's like, great in this too. He's yeah, so, so funny. Yeah, so it's uh, I mean it's an okay movie, and like I, to me, like no movie is really bad. It's very right. You guys no, yeah, that. you you are that way. That's for sure. Yeah, but um, but watching it again, I, I try not to be picky about when movies are kind of like visibly dated but like i I haven't seen this before so when they start showing off their powers i was like uh that that looks like disney channel it does yeah like like i said like uh, you know everyone mentions that and i'm like well that's no surprise that it's kurt russell who is literally the king of those disney movies like the computer wore tennis shoes or the strongest man alive he did all of those things so he has a good working relationship with them and he definitely knew the tone of this movie yeah. And what was needed. Yeah, so it's, I found it creative, and it was pretty fairly entertaining. But mm-hmm. just I think just because of my own personal tastes and how I view those things, I couldn't get into it as because a lot of people liked this movie, and it did pretty well when it came out. Yeah, it it didn't it didn't lose money. Yeah, uh, the they were supposed to have a sequel, so everyone apparently ex- everyone except for Kurt Russell and Kelly Preston, yeah, were signed on to do a sequel um, in their original contracts, but it just never happened. And then there've been talks about making it a, a series and i'm like this would be a great series to put on disney plus yeah it would it, yeah it wasn't like a it wasn't a smash hit but it was somewhere in the middle but not enough for them to be like yeah let's make another one yeah but yeah it's um yeah i think it was okay and yeah I, I it the looked cast. the marketing made it look way too much like just a family movie and not enough of being kind of a send-up of those movies while also evoking those old 80s um, high school movies. Yeah, I see as uh, kind of in the same um, under the same uh, umbrella of like a Hocus Pocus Disney type of thing. Yeah, where, right. Or Spy Kids or yeah, something. Like over over time, yeah. people are gonna just probably get more and more enjoyment out of it. But for me, it just kind of it just fell out of my own personal taste of superhero stuff. So I was like, it's okay. But I just I couldn't get into it. Yeah. So what That's did fair. you What did you guys think about him getting his powers so early in the movie? Uh, it made I, sense. I, I mean, the otherwise, pretty, pretty how, otherwise, how else was he going to end up getting closer to... Yeah, like to not being the, a jerk. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's that. Yeah, he, first he has to 
you know, not be a jerk to his friends now that he's a superhero, but also yeah. it's part of the villain's plan is to get closer to him. And that's not going to happen when he's a sidekick. Like that would be way too unbelievable. Right, right, right. Yeah. It made sense, but I was taken aback. I was like, Oh damn, I, I didn't expect that. I, at all. I yeah, it, it threw me off. Cause I thought the whole movie was going to be him like having to navigate this world unpowered and like, uh, be a part of that out group. And that would like income and like his dad coming to terms with that. And then like, mm-hmm. maybe he gets his power at the end. But you're right. It wasn't a very good analogy for being okay with being in an out group because yeah. it's like. Uh, but also, you could just be in this in group whenever you want as well, <laughs> and exactly. like, there's no repercussions for it. <laughs> so that was, um, yeah. That's, and then that's where it kind of failed a little bit. Is I, I would have liked more, maybe not him depowered. I get the point of the plot, but it would just it just seemed like they were going in a different direction to begin with, and then they were like, nope, actually, he's gonna have this happen, and it's gonna change the whole plot of the movie, and we're gonna see where it goes from there. But um, I thought all the actors are good. Yeah, I was going to say the, the actors in this is great. I mean, you have the, the gym teacher coach called Coach Boomer because he's so loud and he's played by none other than mm. Bruce Campbell. I didn't know he was in it. So when I, as soon as I saw mm. him, I was like, that's amazing. And then you had uh, Linda Carter, who was Principal Powers, Wonder Woman herself, still looking great then. And yeah, she I looked think great. now, too. She's just amazing. And then, gosh, IMDb really putting this guy at the very back. <laughs> Which guy? One of the guys from Kids the, in the Hall? The, the superhero. I mean, the, the sidekick. Yeah, Dave, Dave thank Foley. you, Dave Foley. Yes. There was another Kids in the Hall guy in there, too. The science teacher was, yeah. uh, I can't remember what his name is. But and he's also, also, was it the um, the henchman for the villain? Was he in Kids of the Hall? Yeah, or? I think all three of them. I yeah. think, yeah, all three of them were. And there, there, there were some great lines. There were some that felt like they were improv. So there's this one scene that um, the two of the villains in the the thing one's got super stretchy like Mr. Fantastic, the other one's oh. fast like Flash. Yeah, the bo- the bully kind. Yeah, of kids. the bully yeah. kids. They're kind of like Bulk and Skull basically from yeah. Power Rangers. Is that they're they're undefeated in this game called Save the Citizen, which would be like you know like Quidditch for superheroes, I suppose. And the whole idea is that you have to defeat your opponents and save the citizen, or the citizen kills if you're the villain. And they they pick Will to match up with his own enemy. Um, oh, Warren Peace. Yeah, Warren Peace. Whose father was Baron Battle and was imprisoned by Will's father, the commander. And in case you didn't catch that, that's Warren. Warren. Yeah, Warren Peace. Peace. I don't know where Peace came from, but <laughs> yeah, Battle. His, yeah, it's not his last name. What maybe, the maybe, maybe the maybe they never got married, and that's his mom's last name is, yeah. is Peace. Um, but they so they have this fun little matchup, and and then you see. The, the mad science professor and Dave Foley's sidekick professor talking like, ah, remember when we used to use real citizens? And <laughs> like, yeah. it just you yeah. know, cracks me up as this mannequin's getting put into a mulcher, essentially. It just looked like one of those things that they probably just said, hey, just say a few things and we're just going to keep recording. Yeah, I wanted to like this movie. I just didn't. It's just too middle of the road for me. Like, it doesn't do anything really different. It's fun enough yeah but i think for me like i'm always about movie length and it's like an hour 48 i think which is a little too long for this kind of movie it also doesn't like its production value doesn't help it you know like yeah but that's not yeah it's hard to it's hard to do that but it doesn't overcome it either it doesn't over like you know uhf had a shoestring budget and it overcame it with the concept of the movie like even saving silverman didn't have a big budget but like they use this one didn't have a very big budget and there were parts when they were showing the CG, and I was like, oh, I hope this movie is not like this, because well, this say, CG is terrible. I think that's what makes it age worse, is like Bob said, where the CG sticks out so much, where even in 2005, it probably looked okay, but in 2023, it just looks 
like it was in you know it may as well have been the mid nineties like at that a point. PS2 game. <laughs> so I like mean, I, that's being generous too. Yeah, I, I, I kind of have a hard disagree on on that whole thing because I think the production value is intended. This like I I can't stress this enough. This is very much supposed to be a nineteen eighties movie. Like it's it's set up that way. The soundtrack is that way, and that's how. If there was superhero movies back in the eighties, they looked bad so i think that a lot of the general cheesiness is intended i get you i'm not disagreeing with that but i would say that like they were unintent like they would have rather them looked good if they could like it wasn't like they were in it was because they were in the 80s and the technology only existed for like silent movies wouldn't be silent movies if they could have talkies and and for (laughs) me like i think if they wanted to make it more tongue-in-cheek like maybe they could use more practical effects in some in some ways but this is definitely well they did with the uh, the gigantic robot at the very beginning that wasn't practical it was was cg that was all cg and it was terrible it looked awful (laughs) like that stuck out more than anything granted that was only like you know uh, 30 seconds it wasn't that bad like that that part when i watched it, i was like oh god like like you my like, I, I forgot about all that yeah and the movie did get going that's it's what just... made it better because it wasn't that if it was just yeah. the cgi the whole time it was a cgi fest it yeah. would have been terrible I, I like i said i think this movie isn't bad it's just totally saccharine in the middle of the road like there's nothing really puts it above anything else for me and i have to say too in 2005 the cg still wasn't holding up very well because at that point you had like Fantastic Four was out the same year. Sky Captain the World of Tomorrow came out yeah. like right after yeah. that. Yeah. I about that was movie. terrible. Yeah, yeah the baby looked good. Yeah. And yeah. like the effects compared to Sky High. Yeah. Like it looked way better. Spider Man 2 came out three years before? Yeah. Spider Man 2 came out or one, one, year one, year before, one year before. One year before. And this one, so. this movie had a budget of $35 million, which, which is, is a solid amount of that's money. A, uh, that's, yeah, but that's $35 million like in 2005, whereas. Yeah. I think that's a good budget like, still. That's it's, a lot of money. It's not a, it's not, it's a pretty small budget for it's, even 2005 for what it's trying to do. It, what was, what was the budget for UHF, Doc? <laughs> I don't think I got that. Well, I'm like, sure. remember Showdown in Little Tokyo? We, we talked about before. Five million for UHF. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, Showdown in Little Tokyo was eight million, and that was eight million in 1980s money, essentially. And the budget for Saving Silverman was 22 million. Yeah, so I was going to actually say $35 million for any superhero movie is really, really cheap, even back then. Yeah. So, like, considering that, like I said, on the Disney Channel, sure. But I'm surprised that as far as a theatrical movie, it looked like that. So I'm like, oh, that's, that's, yeah. it kind of, it's, it just sticks out because it it's not necessarily just dated. It's just even at the time, like when you have when you had Fantastic Four, you had Spider Man, you had X, with, the X Men movies with the CG standard, and then you go to Sky High. Yeah. It looks like they pulled it from the Disney Channel and threw it in theaters for a little bit. Well, yeah, it, those those movies have built in audiences and one hundred million plus well, dollar budgets. And one thing I would say too is it's hard for me to not watch this movie in a vacuum. Or, or, sorry, it's hard for me to watch this movie in a vacuum. It's hard for me to not think about all of the other superhero movies who've come along and done it better than Sky High in a lot of ways. So if I had watched this first, yeah, I could see, like, because you saw this when it came out. Or, yeah. you know, right and, now. And, and I, like I said, everything about it felt very intentional to me. Right. Like, I, I didn't care that much about the um, how certain things looked a little cheesy. It didn't bother me because a lot of those '80s movies that it was reminding me of were very cheesy. But I can and watch The Incredibles now. I can watch, you know, other superhero movies that have teams. I can watch Guardians. I can watch. This is really like The Incredibles, but a live action movie. Like, again, it's not a bad again, not a bad thing. It's just even with my low expect not low expectations, but my my expectations just be you know even keel. It's still just like all right. You know, it's, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. It, it did. Not, it, it feels like a TV movie. Yeah, yeah. For for this type of movie, for the money they had, I think they did the best they possibly could have. Because a year before that, for some comparison, the first or 
Spider-Man the second. Two. No, well, like a Punisher with Thomas Jane. Oh yeah, that cost about thirty million to make. Yeah, and that's even you can argue that's not a whole lot of movie for that type or a whole lot of money for that type of movie. I love that movie though. And that's <laughs> yeah. so good. Yes, but like Kevin um, Nash is great in that movie. Yeah. So for Sky High, it was a really ambitious movie, and the fact that they made what they could of what they had, that's pretty. I thought that was pretty cool. But as far as liking it, that's that's something different. I can't help but just be like. With where modern things are for superheroes, it's hard not, It's hard to push all that to the side and watching something that's a little stuck in 2005. Yeah, that's what I would say, too, is that like I, it's hard for me to just watch this movie in a vacuum. Well, like, like I said, the superhero genre changed right around that time. Yeah. Because yeah. like, <laughs> they didn't make a whole lot of superhero movies then, so you really kind of only had other superhero media to Yeah, Fantastic kind of Four from. would be the only team yeah. superhero movie that you really... X-Men as well, but that's kind of a different... Fantastic Four is probably the best comparison mm-hmm. for that time period. Yeah, this is probably one of these This harkened few... back to like Golden Age comics type superheroes, mm-hmm. like the yeah. way they presented back then. Well, this is probably one of the few, if not the only, family-oriented heroes movie too like yeah really yeah like families. before incredibles yeah yeah i do want to add actually because around that time period every there was no obviously what they have now um but a year later they came out with a movie similar to this um called zoom if oh, i remember that zoom. oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I, that. I didn't watch it but i remember it, it. yeah Tim I, Allen, yeah i remember starting work at the movies and no one watched this movie at all. I think I have a poster for it still, actually. Oh, my God. Because I, I remember it was, like, super slick and glossy. And I'm like, wow, this is way better than the actual movie. <laughs> this <laughs> poster. Yeah, this so, one poster. Yeah, so for that time period, I think the movie was as fine as it could be. And me not liking it too much it had nothing to do with the movie. It was just, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, when you have an image of, oh, a grounded Superman is a murdering psychopath, it's hard to watch, like... Happy yeah. Kurt Russell and does not have that image in your head. So I, I have a question. When you watched this movie, did you put it on with your kids? No, no, I didn't. So let me get this straight. So we're going to backtrack to a previous episode. Another time you were here, you tried to get them to watch Suburban Commando. I sure as hell did. But <laughs> not the actual family movie, Sky High. Suburban Sky- Commando is I mean, definitely yeah, a family Suburban movie. Suburban Commando yeah. is definitely a family movie, sure. But the one that they were far more likely to actually get into is the one you did not actually. Sky High doesn't have Hulk Hogan, Randy. Hey, yeah. That's exactly it. Thank um, God for that. I don't know. I think that I might have, enjoyed that could it have more, turned brother. this movie from a guilty pleasure into no. This is exactly the pile of crap that I it was doing. Pleasure, it was you're be. right. <laughs> no, yeah. I just would have felt guilty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. Like, you would have felt guilty. I would have felt pleasure. <laughs> yeah, no. I've cultured my uh, the one child I have that watches movies. I've cultured her enough to where she'd prefer watching Halloween Kills over oh, over Sky High. So. Yeah, so we're good. As long as he doesn't want to watch Halloween Ends over Sky High. Oh, yeah. oh no, I don't want to introduce it to bad movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I just think that this movie is great as far as being a family movie first, a movie that you can take your kids to, that they're going to be okay, and you might get some chuckles out of a lot of the little, the little lines that were aside, set aside, yeah, especially Kurt, stuff kids. between like Coach Boomer and the Mad Scientist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Kurt Russell like losing his mind trying to dial the phone. I don't know why. It was like the yeah. funniest. It was. Thing. It was. It was. He's so me. mad. He's so mad because he just assumes that Coach Boomer is sticking it to him by putting his son in the sidekick. Yeah, uh, class because he doesn't have powers because he doesn't realize he doesn't have powers and he's just about to dial Coach Boomer and he just destroys the cordless phone in his hand and then he gets frustrated throws it down opens the drawer and there's a drawer full of cordless phones yeah. that are there yeah. for when he does this yeah I also <laughs> loved uh, Coach Coach Boomer like uh, Bruce Campbell is so funny he's he, always he's so always funny. great he takes he understands you know you're talking about people who understand like with their role like yep. he always understands the role that he has that he plays and it, whether it's a Sam Raimi film 
film, whether it's this, it doesn't matter. He he knows like what he is supposed to be doing in movies. He understands exactly what he's supposed to be, and he plays it perfectly. Yeah, yeah I, I remember the first time I watched it, and then when I saw it was Bruce Campbell as the gym teacher, I was like, oh, yeah, he's amazing. What a what a fantastic choice this was. Yeah. Um, so, uh, if you were to have one of these superpowers as they were presented in the movie, which one would you go with? Um, I don't know. Maybe the the wolf flight. Uh, actually, flight. Yeah, flight. Yeah, <laughs> I would like to fly. That'd be pretty cool. It'd be pretty cool. I, I don't think I'd want to be a target like that. Yeah. <laughs> well. Oh, go ahead, Bobby. Is this like the powers the kids have, or just general powers? Any any power that was presented in the movie, as it is in the movie. Um, I would go with Kurt Russell's. So just the strength. Super strength? Just, yeah, just the strength and, and almost invincibility and all that. Would I have the big head with the brain thing? No. All right, so I would do the brain thing, so I would never have to work ever again in my life and yeah. just become an entrepreneur with my infinite knowledge. There you go. As Moral Comet says, knowledge is power. Yeah. I'm surprised you didn't go the other direction of the technopath. That would have been Gwen's power was my because, second choice because that was that's the hardest choice for me is choosing between Gwen and Layla. I was like, on one hand, I could cure cancer with the cure cancer ray. On the other hand, I could end world hunger by just constantly creating vegetation. And yeah. so, yeah, I think I might have to go with uh, Layla's power just to control plant life like that. You'd never go starving, that's for sure. Who was the kid who can shapeshift and they can only shapeshift into a guinea pig? Uh, yeah, was it was not girl. Oh, that's pretty funny. God, what was his name? It was the girl. No, it was a girl. Yeah. Oh, the girl. I can't remember what her name was, but that was like that was legit funny when she's like, I can shapeshift, and then she, and he's like, oh, really? And they're all yeah. stoked, and then she just shapeshifts into a guinea pig. They're like, anything else? Like, nope. Nope. <laughs> yeah, nope. And her face, like, it... I felt like I recognized it from something else, and it always drives me nuts. Anytime I see her, I'm like, I know she's been in other stuff, but not really. Probably a Disney I've Channel movie. I've looked it up. I've looked it up, <laughs> and I don't really recognize anything else she's been in. Was she on Brink or I Johnny have Tsunami? No idea. <laughs> or Xenon? Girl yeah, Xenon. Yeah, called? Like a girl of the 21st century. There you yeah, go. yeah. Um, all right, so that kind of wraps up our three movies, I think, pretty nicely. So we'll we'll throw it again, uh, Bob. We're gonna I'm gonna throw this to you again. It's kind of the curveball, but it, out of all three of those guilty pleasures, which one is the best, or which one is the guiltiest pleasure? I don't know w- what the criteria would be. I guess there'd be two different questions. Here. Yeah. Okay, we can say that. Okay, let's do that. We'll do two. First one is which is the best of these films? Saving Silverman. And which one is the uh, the guilty pleasure, like the guiltiest of the pleasures here? I guess. Uh. So let's say, saving Silverman is funny enough to where I'm like, yeah, why be? It's it's hilarious. You should be guilty about it, but I think I, you, I feel the same way. I think yeah. UHF is quirky enough to where it's not gonna. I have a harder time believing that's gonna appeal to more people than Saving Silverman. Yeah. That's harder to digest. So to be, I, I think I, we all kind of agree with that too. But one thing I'll say about Saving Silverman is that we all love it. Uh, clearly the box office didn't love it because <laughs> yeah. it was at a budget of $26 million and it only made $22 million. So it didn't do very well and people didn't really like it. But it does have a cult following, and I think it's catching on more and more. People watch it the more they like it. Um, but yeah, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying that like it is just a great movie. So, um, so let me. So you said that, but you said the UHF would be your guilty pleasure one. Yeah, because I feel like that's harder for people to to kind of get into because it's pretty damn quirky. So yeah. I, I find it funny because I find silly ass crap like that funny. Um, as far as Sigmund Silverman, I'm like, I, 
I imagine you can show that to most people and they'd find it pretty damn funny too. At least mm-hmm. a scene in there somewhere would Ex- be funny yeah, to them. Yeah, exactly. But UHF, you can show that to someone and they could probably be like, I don't understand why this yeah, is Yeah, they might funny. think it's the stupidest thing they've ever seen in their exactly. life. Exactly. Yeah. You ha- yeah, because if you take it at all seriously, UHF, you're going to hate it because you're just like, this is dumb and all of these things are dumb. And that's the point is that it's dumb and like these things are dumb. Also, <laughs> I think it helps that, you know, we grew up watching that, right? Because I think also if you were younger and watching UHF. I never saw it. Oh, that's right. Yeah. You didn't see it, yeah. yeah. But I think for some people, like, it'd be hard to relate to any of the jokes and parodies in there because you have no idea what they're about, right? Like, if you're a younger person, you probably just think it's all stupid. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, what do you yeah. I, I saw either these all at the appropriate age or as soon as I could, essentially. UHF I didn't see when it came out back then, but I was still, like, middle school age when I saw it, old enough to really get the jokes. And that's like the perfect, I would say like middle school is like perfect age to watch UHF because you're just getting into like quirkier humor, but it's still kind of slapstick. So you get into it. It's not radar or anything. Either. Yeah, exactly. No. And yeah. and it's like, you kind of, I would say middle school for me was like when I started watching those kind of more quirky SNL stuff, more like Monty Python things too, mm-hmm. like all of those kind of quirky movies. So it kind of fit perfectly for somebody that age, I would say for sure. Yeah. I didn't, um, when I did see Sky High, I was already an adult, but I, I saw it when it, first came out on dvd so well you, you probably you also saw it before again there was all this standard a comic book movie so yeah. it came out at a time where you had again fantastic four ghost rider and like you just had to really just kind of hit and miss with random stuff mm-hmm. you didn't have this gold standard of comic book like narrative so again watching at that point you're fine you kind of have a blank slate but if you watch it now when it's like oh yeah well you have like 50 Marvel movies and all this and these TV shows and they did yeah. it amazingly well. So I think it dilutes Sky High if you haven't yeah. seen it. I feel like if they ever do get around to making a sequel to it or, or a series, either one they should do, I do feel it will scale back on a lot of the tropes that it makes fun of back then. Mm-hmm. And it's going to have to be a little more set up to poke fun at the tropes of current once yeah because it's it's changed such a ridiculous yeah. amount it would basically be like a youtube clip show if you did uhf now <laughs> yeah you know, like yeah. it'd be, be on like quibi or something yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it might be better for it yeah it would be yeah. uh, like i said if it, i you know not to go back on it too much but like i said if that movie was just the clips it'd be so much funnier because it's just that's the that's the meat you know that's the meat of the, to, the, to the bone i mean it was also i would i would argue it was kind of ahead of its time with that whole concept of just embracing that because like it was yeah what year did UHF come out? Like 89. 89? You were you were barely born, Bob. Yeah, so 89, but like they didn't start grasping like I don't and, think a whole lot of movies did that with like, the, like Kentucky Fried movies, probably the only movie probably around that time that came out that was like that. Mm-hmm. And then you started getting other ones. Like I said, Monty Python started doing stuff like that. And then you had like, you know, the other, uh, the Onion movie came out in the late 2000s. It was like a lot like I would movie. say the closest movie to UHF, another fun one I love that I just brought up to you guys that I watched recently, Stay Tuned. Oh yeah, very Same close idea. to that. I, I love that one. Growing it's a great up. movie. I watched that so many times. I mean, it's not a great movie, but it's a, it's in the same vein as UHF, where it's like it's just a string of parodies with, I'd say, a barely stronger plot. Yeah. <laughs> so the the single closest parallel for UHF that I've seen is the Onion movie. Yeah, me too. Did you ever? I've never seen you that. never no. see that one? It's pretty funny. So, it's it, the same concept. It's, yeah, it's if you like UHF, I would say give it a watch. It also has Steven Seagal, and he plays a character called. Cock- <laughs> oh, oh, I yeah, know which one you're yeah, talking about. Yeah, he plays about. a character called Cockknocker. Yep. So like right there, oh it's my, my favorite Steven Seagal role. Yeah. yeah. I never knew they released that movie. I remember in that period where I'm like Steven Seagal, he's coming back one day. I think I saw it on Hollywood Video. Uh, I rented it from Hollywood. Yeah, I think I did too. Yeah, we I I took it to uh, our friend's place, and we ended up making like a drinking game out of it, where like 
certain things that happened or were said is that's when we would drink. And... Yeah, I'm pretty sure I ran it from Hollywood Video too. I'm amazed I missed it because I was like, that's one Steven Seagal. He's widening his range. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was just Pulling a series of like, it was yeah. just a series of little funny little skits like some some high school or college team loses a heartbreaker and and they go to a uh, the player and like you know I think I'm gonna have to blame God on this one yeah that's right and I, and I just thought that was so hilarious and then that actually happened like several years later which was even more funny to me yeah the skits kind of remind me a bit of a little bit like the fake trailers between Grindhouse if yeah you guys saw of, those yeah, yeah yeah but more so like Tropic Thunder like yeah. the fake trailers at the beginning just like this exactly. quirky like in making fun of things yep. But yeah, it's a unique movie on its own. So yeah, yeah. yeah so uh, you know, our listeners, we're curious what you think out of these three movies is the best guilty pleasure, and then also what are some of your guilty pleasures in the comment sections of our Instagram page and our social media. Please drop down like what you think is the best guilty pleasure movie for you, because uh, we're all interested, and we'll talk about those on our next show. We'll kind of bring them up on our next show. Uh, anything else you want to leave the listeners with, guys? Just say, don't listen to these guys. Sky High is incredible. Get out of here. You're, you're not alone. It is actually it does, a pretty damn like popular Like I said, movie. It's a very, it does have a cult following. All these yeah. movies do. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm I'm just not a fan. I couldn't get into it. I couldn't get into yeah. it either. I tried. Maybe if Kurt Russell did start killing know, people. Maybe, like, maybe if you spent more time, like, you know, homesick watching Valley Girl or, or just one of the guys. <laughs> I didn't do that. Or a lot. Well, I mean, like a lot of those older movies where this immediately just hits you in the feels of taking you back to that time of your life. Maybe you'd probably appreciate it more like I did. Yeah. As I said, it's a movie I did feel was made with me in mind. Yeah. The majority of the table has spoken, Randy. Yeah. And they're incorrect. So, uh, well, I didn't do this in the last one, but I want to thank Bobo for coming on with us as our guest customer today. Thank you for uh, hanging out with us, giving your two cents, three cents. We're, we're back in 2005. This is like the first time in a long time we've been able to, to, to do a little thing as a group here. Like yeah, this. yeah, that is very true. Thank you for having me. Yeah, Thank well, you for not making us watch crap. Yeah. Oh, I'm, well, oh, he did was, try to do I, that. I said no. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I was telling Randy, I was like, I, I actually watched two out of those three movies. Did you really? to me, I'm just like, yeah, watch, these are great. Yeah. Probably his rotation. Yeah, yeah, but like as I watched them, I was like, how are they going to get through this? It's like six hours. <laughs> yeah, it was rough. I said no. So yeah, it was probably a good decision because, uh, you know, they are crap for a reason. Yeah. So well, we appreciate you, Bob, being on. Uh, anything else you want to say, Donnie? Randy. We're all good here. All right. Well, please make sure you return your videos on time and avoid those late fees. The Hollywood Video Guys are out. Mm-hmm.